Yo. Yo, yo, yo. What's up? Hey. It's time for Chip and Eric to read through the Bible. That's right. Yeah. Hey. Hey, Eric, today yeah. is day 153. Well, cool. Here we're going to read Daniel, new book. Uh-huh. Daniel's chapter one and two. I dare you. I'll do it. Okay. I believe it. So, we have crossed the line into the prophetical books. Oh. Yes. Pretty cool. Crossing that line. Crossed it. It's done. It's crossed. Mm -hmm. Well, now it is, right? Now. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. Man, we would have made the cut. Yeah. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. He said, make sure that they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for, for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I am afraid of my lord the king who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to any other use your age, I am afraid the king will have me beheaded. Well, Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So, after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding, every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So, they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any manner requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any other magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, Long live the king, tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. 
But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you'll be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. They said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. The king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I'm serious when I say if you don't tell me the dream, you're doomed. So you've conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. The astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great or powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. The king was furious when he heard this. He ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and, his, and told his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven, and he said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in the darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed us, revealed to us what the king demanded. Then Daniel went in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. Daniel said to him, Don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Arioch quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, Is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied, There are no wise men enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron, and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like chaff on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. That was a dream. Now we will tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you are a great, your greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. 
He has made you ruler over all the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise and take your place. After that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom, represented by bronze, will rise to rule the world. Following that kingdom, there will be a fourth one, as strong as iron. The kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that the kingdom will be divided. Like iron mixed with clay, it will have some of the strength of iron. But while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be weak as clay. This mixture of iron and clay also shown that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage. But they will not hold together, just as iron and clay do not mix. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heavens will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true, and its meaning is certain. Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him. And he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burnt offering, or burnt sweet incense, sorry, before him. The king said to Daniel, Truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal the secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all the wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the provinces, the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. And, and that, that is our reading today. today. Wow. Okay, Eric. Daniel's that was a good reading. Oh, love me some Daniel. All right. Hey, so what? What's this tell us about God? What's this tell us about us? Says some good stuff about both. But I found I discovered something that I've never really thought about before. Oh, I like that. Yeah, those are good moments. Okay. Go ahead. What's this tell us about God? Yes, that's me. Yeah. Okay. I'll say that God can use. God can use good people, in bad situations. Oh yeah. So we saw some good people, God's people, mm-hmm. um, his people, in a very bad situation. And God used them to do a great thing, an incredible thing. Just think about it, right? So, okay, tell me the meaning of the dream. I can make up anything I want. Right. Don't do that. Right. Tell me the dream. Right. And, like, he did it. But he did it because God enabled him to do it. That's, God used yeah. good people mm-hmm. in a bad situation to do a great thing. Yeah. That God was praised throughout all of it. So that's what it tells me about God. I love that. Incredible. That's true. I noticed for the first time ever, and maybe I'm sure I've I know I've read it before. I've read it out loud with all of you people before. But it never really sank into me that like so Joseph interpreted dreams too. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, he interpreted these dreams and, and, and whatever. He just kind of did it on his own. When it came time to interpret these dreams, Daniel went to his friends and was like, pray that God will use one of us to interpret this dream. Mm. And he was not set on it being him. That's a good point. He just showed up. He was like, hey, ask guys, I need you, I need you to come here. Ask God to make sure or to, to get this dream interpreted. And he, Daniel didn't care if it was him. Hmm. He didn't care. That's a good point. And even though he stood to gain a ton, I mean, the king even said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all this stuff for you if you, if you tell me what the dream is and interpret it." Daniel didn't care 
Because Daniel knew, this is why he didn't care which one of them did it. Daniel knew that it was God doing the work, like you just said. Mm. So Daniel knew that because God was going to use one of them and God would deserve all the glory and credit for it, that it didn't matter which one of the four of them it was. Mm -hmm. So I just love that. I I just love that. I've never thought of that before. Me either. But it just came to my mind. Yeah, that is very good. Good stuff. Cool. Wow. How do we put them together? Well, if you're in a bad situation... You know, um, just understand that God can use you, and it doesn't, and it uh, it doesn't matter who gets you know which one of you uses. You know, like I think uh, Eric, you and I, you know, we are got we're pastors here in the church. We uh, both preach on Sunday morning. We both have leadership responsibilities. As long as people get saved and God gets the glory, we're on yeah. the same team. And yeah. now God's sending you out, still on the same team. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter if this church has more people than that church. It doesn't matter. Nope. If God's getting the glory, he's praised and honored. People are believing Jesus, giving their life to Jesus, fully following Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what matters. Yeah. And, uh, and there's going to be bad situations throughout all that. And he can use good people to do great things. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you look at like, like if your car breaks down and you bring it to a mechanic you know, and they're like, hey, we were able to fix it. Everything's great now, you know, mm-hmm. all that. What you don't do is walk out to his toolbox and say, you know, the big the big red toolboxes oh. with the drawers and all that. You don't walk out to that thing and say, thank you so much. Really appreciate you fixing my car. Right? You say it to the mechanic. Yeah. Because the mechanic sure. gets the credit no matter which tool he uses to do the job. Yeah. Right? And it's the same with God. Like, he deserves all the credit. Mm-hmm. Even if we're the tools. Yeah. Even if he uses us in our circumstances or whatever, it's him that deserves the credit for mm-hmm. all of it. And so I just think if we hold loosely to this idea of reputation and and our own fame and our own, you know, whatever, it allows us to glorify God so much more. And you're you're very right about the, the practicality of that between you and I. Um, and I think that it just needs to be the same across the board, you know, yeah. for everybody. So, so I get part of that takeaway is, you know, look at the situations in your life and, 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 and just give God the credit. Yeah. You know, um, whether it's personally or to other people or whatever yeah. situation, whatever platform he gives you, give him the credit. And don't, yeah, exactly. And don't think that to your point, what you said about God, like, don't mm-hmm. think that your situation mm-hmm. is going to prevent you from being used. Mm-hmm. It's actually, so the last time I preached, you weren't here. I don't remember where you were at. Oh, you were driving all over the state. Oh, was that the last oh, time? Oh, yeah. You were driving all over the country one time when I preached mm-hmm. recently. Yeah, one time. Um, and actually, one of the points I made is God uses unnamed people in adverse circumstances to mm. change eternity. And we see that in the book of Acts, too. You know, That's a good point. As, after Stephen gets martyred and all those people go out. And so God's in the habit of using people that, one— don't think they should be used. Two, don't think they're in the right situation to be used. And three, don't deserve any of the credit for being used. Wow. So it's pretty amazing. That's good stuff. I can preach. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. We're so proud of you reading through the Bible. Thank you. And we're in a very interesting book of Daniel. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And all of you who listened to or went to the SDA uh, got to learn about Daniel's 70 weeks, one of the most exciting prophecies in all of Scripture. So I encourage you, if you weren't at the SDA, that you would go listen to that because it is an amazing prophecy. Amazing. So you should check it out before we read it, and that'll be in Daniel chapter 9, so you have maybe a couple days. All right. <laughs> All right. See you guys later. See you, Eric. Bye.